In Colossians chapter number 1, I want us to look this morning at verses 12 through 14. Here Paul writes about giving thanks unto the Father. Colossians 1.12, the Bible says, Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so glad that we can gather with our church family today and worship you. We thank you for your word now as we come to this time of the reading and the preaching of your word. It makes so clear to us exactly what it is that we are to be thankful for. So Lord, we ask for your blessing upon this time as we consider it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we are studying Luke verse by verse on Sunday mornings, 1 Corinthians on Wednesdays. But uh, for this week being our Thanksgiving service, I wanted to bring your attention to this letter, the letter to the Colossians, in particular these verses, because Paul does talk about giving thanks. But I want to remind you that throughout the book of Colossians, the, the letter is just full of thanksgiving. Now, we would understand that the holiday we're going to celebrate this week was something a little bit more modern than that. But the premise of being grateful, the premise of thanksgiving is not new to the church. It is not new to the Christian. It is not new to God's people. In fact, our God blesses us greatly and we have much to be thankful for. Let me just quickly give you a, just a, 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 let's just go through Colossians really quick and see how much thanksgiving is in here. Notice verse three here. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So Paul starts this letter by talking about how he is thankful for the church. Then we read in verse number 12, he says, giving thanks there. He's, he's, he's offering this in a form of a prayer and praying that they might grow in their own thanksgiving to God. In chapter number two, verse number seven, he teaches that the Christian life should abound with thanksgiving, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I don't know about you guys, but often I abound with a lot of other things and not thanksgiving. What are some things we abound with instead? Greed. What's that? Greed. 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 Oh, like wanting, wanting more things? Yeah. I was talking to Ben earlier up here and he couldn't hear what I was saying. Now I can't hear what Ben's saying. We must something with our ears today, Ben. Yeah, we greed. What else do we abound with at times? Worry, fear, complaining. complaining. You do. I, none of the rest of us do, right? I, I'm a grumbler. I, I can grumble on Monday. I can grumble on Tuesday. Grumble on Thursday too. What else do we abound with? Selfishness. Selfishness. <laughs> yes, absolutely, we do. And we should be thankful. But what are we using when we abound with food? Oh, my belly hurts. But Paul writes here, we should abound with thanksgiving. If any people upon the face of the earth, really at any time in the history of the earth, should abound with thanksgiving, shouldn't it be us? The church? In the age of grace? Given the word, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? What a blessing. Over in chapter number 3, in verse 15 through 17, he talks about one of the evidences of spiritual growth 
particularly spiritual growth in our studying of the Bible, should be the, the showing up of thanksgiving. Verse 15, he says, Let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's what the young people did for us this morning as they led that. Verse 17, And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Chapter 4, verse number 2, talks about our prayers being full of thanksgiving. Continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. So if you, if you had to this morning kind of put forth a thesis as a, a Bible scholar and say, these are the themes in the book of Colossians. Could you surely this morning say, for sure, one of the themes that I find in my study of the book of Colossians is what? It's obviously Thanksgiving. It's a very Christian thing. It's a very godly thing. Go back with me to chapter 1. We find in this letter that the Christian who is filled with the Spirit, who is filled with the Word, who is watching in prayer, will prove these things in their lives by giving thanks unto the Father. That's our topic today as we consider these verses, specifically verses 12 through 14 of Colossians 1. I want to give you three headings here as we talk about giving thanks unto the Father. First, that He enabled us. Second, that He translated us. And then third, that He redeemed us. Verse number 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul's prayer for the church here is that they would joyously give thanks to the Father because He had made them meet. Now what this means is He enabled them. He qualified them. We, we sing at Christmas time, away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down His sweet head. The, the modern lyrics to that song will say something along the lines of, and take us to heaven to live with thee there. You know the song? Or what, what, are the, what are the original lyrics say there? Do you know? They say, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Now, can you catch the difference? It's one thing to say, I want Jesus to take me to heaven. You ever met a person who'd say, I don't want that? Everybody wants that. But not everybody wants him to fit us for heaven. Ever been fitted for clothing? It's not always comfortable, is it? You go in and the man says, what size pants do you wear? Uh, 32s. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> and he says, you had to wear 32 since eighth grade. Let's measure you up here. And he gives a real number. I'll say, whoo, something's wrong with your tape. Sometimes being fitted can be uncomfortable. Sometimes being fitted can be very revealing. It can it show things about us that we don't like. So the modern church in a lot of ways has said, oh, let's just change the lyrics there because that's offensive to people. I don't want to change the lyrics there. I'm so glad. I'm thankful that God fit us for heaven. On my own, I, if I were to come as I are, I wouldn't fit in at heaven. I wouldn't be fit for heaven. He made us meet. He enabled me. He qualified me. To be partakers of the inheritance of his covenant. 
How many of you have already raised your children, and when they got to 16 or 17-year-old, you, you helped them get a vehicle? How many of you say, I, I did this? All right, lots of us in here. What's wrong with you people? You love those kids, right? Why'd you wait to, why didn't you get it when they were eight years old? If you loved them already, you're going to get it for them anyways. Why'd you make them wait until they were 16? Just because you're mean? What was the reason? They weren't ready to drive it. Can you imagine that, an eight-year-old? <laughs> this is us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We're being grateful today. Good right. Come on now. <laughs> that's right. As God found us, as Christ received us, we weren't enabled. We weren't made meet. We weren't fit for this inheritance. We weren't ready to receive it. But He's made us ready to receive us. That's sainthood. It's sanctification that leads to glorification. Now, we're to be thankful for this. Paul says, giving thanks unto the Father because He's done this for us. He's made us meet to be the partakers. Thankfulness, in a lot of ways, is the exact opposite of selfishness. The selfish person says, I deserve this. I deserve what comes to me or other people ought to make me happy. But the mature Christian realizes that life is a gift from God and that the blessings of life come only through his bountiful hand. And certainly there are times of life when an attitude of gratitude is harder to come by than other times of life. We understand that there are rough days, there are lean times, there are hard times in our lives. But here Paul says even in those times, there's a reason for you to be thankful no matter what your life looks like, you have a reason to be thankful. Why? God has enabled you for this inheritance in His covenant. Praise the Lord. Amen. He's qualified us for heaven. He's enabled us to be able to be with Him. Just as God's people of old received a physical inheritance of Canaan, we now receive the spiritual inheritance of daily claim of blessings in Christ. So we offer thanksgiving to God the Father because He has qualified us for an inheritance. I don't always, but I, I like to listen to Hank Williams. Any Hank Williams fans in here? I like the song, I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive. I was talking about that one Sunday morning and Brother Luther Kimbrough, who's over in heaven now with the Lord, he said to me, well, that's not true. Some folks will get out of this world alive. I was like, yeah, yeah, I understand doctrinally there, but I still like the song. But thinking about being made fit for an inheritance, there's the words to an old song, or to that song come to my mind. My distant uncle passed away. He left me quite a batch. And I was living high until the fatal day. A lawyer proved, who knows what he proved? Nobody's going to give up your carnality. A lawyer proved I wasn't born, I was only hatched. <laughs> so, so much for the inheritance, right? Well, sadly, so many in the spiritual sense are going to leave this world just the same way. But God hasn't left us that way. He's made us born again. We've been born into His family. He has made us meet for an inheritance. He's enabled us to be able to receive it from Him. Praise the Lord.
When God qualifies people, He supplies righteousness, which is a necessary part of our salvation. Since He declares believers to be righteous by His grace, He alone qualifies a person for an inheritance. Hmm. I like that one up against other people sometimes. You ever thought about someone or felt like somebody was thinking about you? They're not much of a Christian. It doesn't matter what they think, does it? It matters what God thinks. And God's purpose, His eternal purpose, is to make you meet for an inheritance. He has enabled you. So you may not think I'm much of a Christian, but as long as I'm right with Almighty God, He's going to make sure I'm much of a Christian. Praise the Lord. He makes us saints. His initiative guarantees that His people will be able to inherit what is promised to them. We are saints. Now verse 13 is going to go on and talk about how we're saints of the kingdom of light. Though we've previously been citizens of the kingdom of darkness. So he enables us. And then in verse 13, he translates us. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So by enabling us, God has delivered us from darkness and translated us to the kingdom of Christ. To translate means to put or to transfer. Not only did the Father deliver us from our sin and from Satan and from the kingdom of darkness, but He put us. He transferred us. He translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. This is the reason we give thanks to Him joyously. He's not left us where we are. He's not left us like we are. He's enabled us and translated us. He's put us. He's transferred us into that kingdom. Consider this in light of Israel in bondage in Egypt. God brought them out of bondage and into a land flowing with blessing. But if you remember right, Israel was satisfied with less than all that God meant for them. They were satisfied just no longer being slaves in Egypt. Was that God's full purpose for them? Not at all. And in this willingness to say, we're just glad to not be there anymore, they were content wandering the wilderness, though a land of milk and honey flowed for them up ahead if they just keep going on according to God's purposes. Then in that time in the wilderness, they look back on Egypt with sort of faint faint wonder. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Maybe it had been better to die there as a slave. At least we'd been fed than to starve to death out here in the wilderness. And then that's when you get into these kind of questions of what kind of God? Well, I'll tell you what kind of God. He never meant for you to be in the wilderness to start with. He intended for you to walk on over into the victor- what we would call now the victorious Christian life. His promised land. Where do you find yourself this morning? Are you struggling to be thankful? Are you more bitter than you can be thankful this time of Thanksgiving? Are you one of those who say, oh, I'm sick of this. Everybody fakes it for one day a year just so they can eat turkey and go shopping for a cheap TV. <laughs> Obviously, I'm about well practiced at this. Didn't have that one in the notes. Shouldn't be that way. That's wilderness talk. Promised land talk is, wow. I get to wake up every morning in a land flowing with milk and honey. What does that look like in our Christian life? You and I, we've been given an inheritance so much the more. Spiritual now, physical, spiritual, eternally later. 
Though we were bound in the chains of our sin. We were slaves as well, spiritually. Our taskmaster, Satan, he had us. God not only delivered us from him, which was enough, but he went on and made us part of his future plans. He put us into the kingdom of Christ. He transferred our citizenship to his country. He translated us from darkness to light. Thank you, Jesus. We give thanks unto the Father because He enabled us. We give thanks unto the Father because He translated us. And then verse 14, Paul brings in the the idea of how how can all this be? Well, it's through redemption. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We we give thanks to the Father because He redeemed us. The word redemption belongs to the slave market. It involves payment to secure the price of freedom. Jesus paid the price to secure your freedom. You and I, we were slaves to our sin. We could have never afford to pay the debt that we owed. But Jesus shed his sinless blood to pay our sin debt. Now we are redeemed. He set us free. Praise the Lord. Paul tacks on one other statement here as he he says in whom we have redemption. He says, even the forgiveness of sins. Now that's a lot to say in one phrase. I know it's not a lot of words. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. But if you get to dealing with doctrinally how many different things he's he's cramming into that one sentence, you'd say, well, that's it's hard to take all that in with my non-spiritual brain. But even my spiritual brain says, wow, that's a lot. Redemption implies the payment of an appropriate price to secure freedom. But forgiveness implies a free act of God's grace in that regard. Now let's think about that in regards to our debt now. If I owe a debt to the bank, if I pay back all I owe, then I have satisfied the debt. But if I owe a debt to the bank and the bank decides they're not going to make me pay it back, is that anybody's hopes and dreams right now? Well, then they have forgiven the debt. Well, I did nothing other than have the debt to have the debt forgiven in that hypothetical. Now think that through in regards to what Paul writes here. Jesus shed his blood to purchase our redemption. He satisfied sin debt. But we also have the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is an act of God's grace. So God chose to appease himself And you and I got to receive all the benefits of it. What a wonderful thought. He was the only one qualified to satisfy his nature. If justice were to be done, God had to do it. See, this is where we get into this. Well, what did God save you from? And a lot of times we think, well, he saved me from hell. Sure. Or he saved me from myself and my own sinning. Well, yes. But I'll tell you what's worse than all of that. What's more scary than all of that? God saved you from him. He saved you from his wrath. I'll be honest. If war were to break out right now, just, I mean, right here in Middle Tennessee, war were to break out, what side do you want to be on? Don't answer that. Let's not get that started. That could go bad quick. I want to be on the strong side. I want to be on the winning side. It's less fearful to be on the side that you think is going to win. Notice with, I've coached youth sports a lot growing up. When they're losing, they're exhausted. When they're winning, they have full energy. It's an amazing thing. Well, here, Paul is clear. God appeased himself. 
He accomplished justice for us through him. He's, he was under no obligation to act as he did. His sacrifice was an act of mercy. The cross then gives us this interrelationship of two aspects of God's nature. His forgiveness and his justice go hand in hand. Where are we in all of this? From, from heaven to earth, we have forgiveness. And then horizontally, we have justice accomplished through this. If you, if you get your doctrine wrong, you'll say, well, well, we have forgiveness because God just sort of made my sins go away. That's not exactly how it happened. He did make them go away. We read that this morning. As far as the east is from the west, he's put our sins from him. But how could he do this? Because he is right and just. Well, he did it because of Christ. He put them on Christ and Christ shed sinless blood to make them go away. So think of the cross here this morning. From God to human nature, we have forgiveness of sin. But Jesus put his arms out there and he absorbed God's wrath in our behalf so that we could have that forgiveness of sin. Thank God for his mercy and for his grace. And then there's you and I. Direct beneficiaries. Heirs, inheritors, recipients of all of this. These are Paul's reasons for joyously giving thanks unto the Father. The entire scope of salvation, incorporating the work of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is attributed to the grace of God the Father. So let's you and I be appropriately thankful. We studied recently in Luke about Jesus healing ten lepers. Remember this story? How many returned to give him thanks? One. I was reading this week about Northwestern University back in the 1800s. They had what they called a life-saving squad that would help people on boats going across Lake Michigan. On September the 8th, 1860, there was a passenger boat in need of assistance. And one of the students who was a part of this life-saving squad, his name was Edward Spencer, he personally rescued 17 people. But the exertion of that day in the cold and the wet, and just exerting himself to rescue these people, permanently damaged his health and led to an early death for him. In fact, after that day, he was no longer able to be a part of this life-saving squad. When he died several years later, it was noted that not one of these 17 people ever came back to thank him for saving their life. Now, we live in a day and age of technology. The 1860s was certainly different. It makes those things a little bit more possible. We're not mad at 17 people this morning because they didn't come tell a guy named Ed they were thankful. But doesn't that illustrate well what often happens in us? We were, we were leprous and Jesus cleansed us. Were we the nine who went on to show ourselves to the priest or were we the one who came back to say thank you? We were drowning in a sea and someone lifted us up and gave us back our life. Did we go on and live our lives or did we say thank you? Whether you're a holiday person or not, it's a very Christian thing. It's a doctrine of the Bible, thanksgiving. I want to spur you this morning. I want to encourage you to purposely give thanks to the Father. Paul writes an entire letter to a church 
that's been planted in a town here. And in this letter, he, he just strings thanksgiving all the way through there. And here in our text this morning, he says, I pray for you, giving thanks to the Father because He's enabled us, because He's translated us, and because He's redeemed us. Church, that applies to us as well. There's a lot of things in life we're not thankful for. There's a lot of things in life we grumble for. There's a lot of things in life that maybe we keep to ourselves and we just pray to the Lord. We're, we're, in t- we're instructed to do that as well. Lord, I'm sick. I pray that you'll heal me. Lord, I'm in need. I'm play- I pray that you'll supply. We're not to stop doing that. But with that, we are also to offer thanksgiving to him. So let's stand and respond to the word of God in that way this morning.